We turn in Scripture to Matthew 6 and Matthew 7. These are sections from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses 1 through 15, and Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. This is Jesus giving His instruction to His disciples and concerning citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 6, we begin at verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward." But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, They have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, more instruction on prayer. 7 verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, 
know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? So far we read God's holy and infallible word. It's on the basis of this passage of Scripture and on the basis of many passages of Scripture that we have the teaching of Lord's Day 46 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 46, found on page 25 in the back of the Psalter. Why hath Christ commanded us to address God thus, our Father? That immediately, in the very beginning of our prayer, He might excite in us a childlike reverence for and confidence in God, which are the foundation of our prayer. Namely, that God is become our Father in Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of Him in true faith than our parents will refuse us earthly things. Why is it here added, which art in heaven? lest we should form any earthly conceptions of God's heavenly majesty, and that we may expect from His almighty power all things necessary for soul and body. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, a few Sundays ago we began our study of this topic of true Christian prayer. We looked at why prayer is necessary And we looked at what true prayer looks like. This morning, we begin looking in detail at the various parts of the Lord's Prayer, or what we could also refer to as the Disciples' Prayer, because it's the prayer that Jesus gave as a model for us to pray, the Disciples' Prayer. When we look at the Lord's Prayer, We notice that it can be divided up into several parts. First, there is the address, our Father, which art in heaven. Then there are three petitions that have to do especially with God, uh, which are devoted to God. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These petitions come first because this is our chief concern in prayer. Not our own earthly things, but first of all, God and His cause, and His kingdom. Then, after those three petitions, you have three more petitions that concern more directly what we need as God's people. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and lead us not into temptation. And then, you have the conclusion. This is why we are praying to God, and this is why we have confidence. Thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power. And thine is the glory. We're going to look at each one of those parts in turn. This morning, our focus is going to be on the address. Our Father, which art in heaven. What we need to see right away is that these first words of the Lord's Prayer really are the foundation for everything that follows. The way we start off our prayers really determines our entire attitude in prayer. And it guides and influences everything else that follows. Answer 120 of the Catechism states that a childlike reverence for God 
and a childlike confidence in God stand at the very foundation of our prayer. And if I don't consciously come to God calling upon Him as my Father in heaven, well, then I'm not going to have the proper confidence that I need in prayer, and I also won't have the proper reverence that I need in prayer. I won't have the right foundation in prayer. And that's why the very beginning of our prayers are so important. That's why Jesus even takes care to give us instruction as to how we are to begin our prayers. Our Father which art in heaven. That's the model. You first address God in prayer. And then you address God a certain way. Now that doesn't mean, of course, we can't use other words as we approach God in prayer. Of course not. In Scripture, we have many examples of prayers that did not start off with this exact verbiage, this exact language. However, in all those prayers, at the very heart of those prayers, is this idea. Our Father, which art in heaven. These words and, and these thoughts, at least, are fundamental to Christian prayer. If I can't call on God as my Father, and if I don't recognize Him also as the one who dwells exalted in heaven then I can't enter into true Christian prayer. But if I can truly call on God as my Father, then I can enter into prayer. And then I really have everything. If God is my Father, well then, not only do I have the foundation for prayer, but I have the foundation for the rest of my life. I have everything because God is my Father. That's why we take the time this morning to look at this model address We want to know how to start in our prayer with God. We take as our theme, praying to our Heavenly Father. We look at that theme under three points. First, we see that our Heavenly Father is a loving Father. He is, secondly, a giving Father. And third, He is a Heavenly Father. The first thing that stands out in those words, our Father who art in heaven, is this idea of of the relationship we have with God as Father. God is our Father and we are His children. When you fold your hands and you close your eyes and you pray, you are entering into the presence of your loving Father. Now that's a wonder in itself. God is my Father who loves me. This is the relationship I have with the sovereign maker of heaven and earth. When I go to God in prayer, I am going to Father. Now, we should be clear on who this Father is. One of the questions that I like to ask the catechism students when we go through Lord's Day 46 is this. When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, to whom are we praying? Are we praying to the first person of the Trinity, or are we praying to the triune God? Are we praying to the first person of the Trinity or are we praying to the triune God? Well, the answer is this. I am not merely praying to the first person of the Trinity. I am praying to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when I say Father, I am addressing the triune God as my Heavenly Father. Now, in my prayer, I may refer to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even have that in the baptism form, right? When God the Father, when, when we're baptized in the name of God the Father, God the Father witnesseth and sealeth to us. And God the Son witnesseth and sealeth to us. And God the Holy Spirit witnesseth and sealeth to us. 
But the point is, when I'm praying, I may not pray exclusively to one person of the Trinity. If I were to pray only to the first person of the Trinity, I would be guilty of tritheism, making three gods. I would be guilty of separating the persons of the Godhead and treating God the Father as God alone, to the neglect of God the Son and the neglect of God the Holy Spirit. And I may not do that. God is one being. The three persons of the Trinity are equal in authority, equal in power, equal in glory, and equal in grace. As the Athanasian Creed puts it, we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. And that's exactly how Jesus is teaching us to pray. Jesus is our head, Jesus is our mediator, and He is the one through whom we approach the triune God as His Father and our Father. It's not like this, that Jesus is merely the second person of the Trinity, and we're praying to the first person of the Trinity through the second person of the Trinity. No. But Jesus is the man. Jesus Christ, the righteous, the incarnate Son of God, who right now in His human nature stands at the right hand of God. And it is through that man, our mediator, who died for our sins on the cross, it's through Him that we approach the triune God as our triune Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray through the man, Jesus Christ, our mediator, who is also God, but we pray through Him to the triune God, and Father. That's how Jesus himself teaches us to pray. Pray to Father. I address the triune God in the name of Jesus Christ and by the working of the Holy Spirit as my own Father. And that's a wonder. But now in what sense is God our Father? What does that mean? How can the triune God be my Father? Well, I'm sure you looked at this earlier in the catechism. First, the triune God is our Father legally, by adoption. In the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, I made myself a child of wrath. In the fall of Adam, we became children of disobedience. But that's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross. Because God loved us as His elect children in Jesus Christ from all eternity. And through Jesus' shed blood, He paid the price to adopt us and actually make us His children. So first, the triune God is our Father legally by adoption. And then second, the triune God is our Father also spiritually or ethically. So that we are not only adopted children of God, but God actually makes us look like His children. God even causes us to share in His own life. You might say, you might put it this way, through adoption, all the legal matters are taken care of. That's essentially what was taken care of on the cross. The cross was legal work, our justification, where the price of adoption was was spilt on the cross. Jesus' blood. But now, through regeneration and by spiritual rebirth, we actually become the children of God who are given the name of God and and now bear the image of God, our Father. I was totally depraved, dead in sins and trespasses. God adopted me and now He imparts His own life unto me so that I share in the life of God. And this is a profound mystery that God even makes me look like Him. 
He renews us after His own image by His Holy Spirit so that in a creaturely measure, we resemble God and we reflect His virtues as His children. And because of all of that, God delights to sit with us and spend time with us in prayer as our Father, in communion with Him. And now this is our blessed reality. We are able to call God Father. I have received the rights of a child. I have a right to the love of God. I have a right to dwell in God's house forever, not merely as a servant, but as a child, because I am God's child. I have access to God at any time. Your Heavenly Father always has time for you, because you're His child. And that's one of the main points of this address. We need to know immediately, right from the outset of prayer, that God is approachable. We face that question sometimes, don't we? Is God accessible? Is God approachable? I look at my sins and my sins rise up against me. I look at my lives and it seems that life can be so pointlessly difficult from my perspective, and we wonder, where is God? Is God safe? Is He trustworthy? Am I able to confess my sins to God and, and as it were, undress myself and expose my, my sins to the Lord? Will He mock me? Will He ridicule me? Or will He show me mercy? Maybe we ask, when I pray, can I truly let down my guard and open up my heart and pour out my heart to the Lord. Can I do that? When I pray, can I be frank and open with all my needs, all my vexations and all my worries? And can I rest assured that the one unto whom I am praying will be careful with me, will protect me and treat me properly? Is he safe? And what Jesus is teaching us at the very beginning of this model prayer is this. Yes, God is safe. God is absolutely the only one you can go to and should go to because He is your Father. Do you understand the implications of that? Yes, our earthly parents are sometimes unfaithful. Sometimes there are earthly parents that are not good to their children. They make their children scared of them. They attack their children. They exasperate their children. And that is an offensive wickedness. But I think we still understand the idea. There should be no one that you can talk to like the way that you can talk to your father. At least that's how it ought to be. There is no one who is more trustworthy than a faithful father. There is no one more compassionate than a faithful father. There is no one who is safer in all the world than a faithful father. There is no one else that you should really consider going to when you have a faithful father. Especially when you are like a little child. When you are like a little child, there is no one like your father. Oh, he's stronger than you. He's wiser than you. If you need help, all you need to do is ask him for help. All you need to do is seek out father. All you have to do is knock on his door. In fact, my children don't even bother to knock on the door half the time. When they need father, what happens? They, they just barge into the study. And I think you understand the idea. This is who Father is. He's a loving Father of all people. He is the one who is approachable. 
And Jesus says to us, that's your relationship with God. How are you supposed to approach God in prayer? By going to Him as your Father. He won't cast you out. He won't betray your trust. He won't let you down. He's strong enough to handle all your burdens. He's smart enough to know how to lead you. He knows what you need. He will be able to supply it. He will guide you. He will protect you. He's your Father. That congregation is the relationship you have with God. Why? Because of what God Himself has done for you through Jesus Christ. You have Jesus. He is the one you cling to by faith. He is the one unto whom you are connected through the bond of faith. You have Jesus. And through faith in Jesus, you have God as your Father. And this is another reminder. If we are struggling to go to God in prayer, if we find prayer to be difficult, then we need to go again to the foot of the cross and recognize the rights and the privileges that are ours in Jesus Christ. Right? That's how we start our prayer and that's how we end our prayer. Our Father, for Jesus' sake, Amen. The whole prayer from start to finish is rooted in Jesus Christ. Upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and His redeeming work, we construct the entirety of our prayers. And this is where we have to see also how God is such a loving Father. Because God established this relationship Himself by His own choice and not because of anything He saw in us. There was nothing good in us, but He made us His children simply because He loved us. He loved us and He made us His own. He sacrificed His only begotten Son, His eternal and natural Son, in order to make us His adopted sons and daughters. What earthly father does that? What earthly father does that? But that's the love of God for me and for you, believer. And now Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer that when we go to God in prayer, we ought to address Him exactly this way. Father. Our Father. Well, that word our also stands out too, doesn't it? Our Father. What does that mean? Well, that word our emphasizes two things. We could point out two things. First, that word our suddenly makes this inclusive. It emphasizes the fact that we do not pray individualistically, but we pray as those who are conscious of the family of God as a whole. Now, at times, I may call on God as my Father, right? When it's, when it's very personal, we might be moved to say that. But when I go to God in prayer, I ought to be mindful of the church of God as a whole. And for my brothers and sisters in the faith, when I go to God in prayer, I ought not to be self-centered. Siblings, brothers and sisters in the Lord, ought not to be self-centered. After all, we all share the same Father. We all share the same life. We're all children of God the same way, adopted by the grace of God. We all look alike in Jesus, righteous in Him. We all have the same older brother. We all have the same joys, the same struggles, the same desire. And just as we love God, so we, in a sense, have a natural family love for each other. We're all part of the same spiritual family. Brothers and sisters ought to love each other and care for each other and pray for each other. 
My own love for the church and God's people ought to shape and mold my own prayer as I approach my Father in heaven. And we can say, really, if I am harboring bitterness in my heart against my fellow Christian, I'm not really in a proper frame of mind to pray. I pray out of the true love and care for the whole family of God. That's what this word is emphasizing. Our Father. And then second, what this word also emphasizes is this. That we actually take the time to pray together. We actually pray together. And that's consistent throughout the entire Lord's Prayer also. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Do we pray together? Do we confess our sins together to God? Yes, we have congregational prayers. We have family prayers. But I do think sometimes the trend is to be excessively private in our prayers and not have others come into our prayer lives so that we, we pray this very realistically, our Father. Our culture is so individualistic that it, it affects our prayer lives. Do we have marriage prayers together? I'm learning this myself. I'm striving to grow in this myself. I think at adult Bible study this past year, I was helped and encouraged by this when someone mentioned the idea of prayer requests. Let's take this time to pray together. I think of consistory meetings and council meetings. As I keep growing as a Christian, I'm learning that one of the most important moments in the consistory room is when we can bow our heads together and pray. Right? Maybe we might say there's so much work to be done, but let's not just go through the motions with prayer. Let's pray. Let's just pray together without any constraints and just pray. And just keep praying. Just keep praying for the church together. There's something sweet in that. There's something right about that. And maybe even have it sometimes when one person finishes praying and and another takes up the prayer and prays for things that the first person didn't have in his mind when he prayed. And God's people are praying together. And I think all of this is what Jesus is also talking about when he teaches us to pray, Our Father. In a sense, we can even go further and say this. We cannot keep ourselves separate from the family of God, and then pray. That's impossible. You cannot willingly keep yourself separate from the family of God and then pray to God in prayer. And you start out, Our Father. And of course, that's not genuine. When I don't care about the family of God. That's not the true spirit of prayer. Something to think about. This also, shows, this also shows us who God is as a loving Father. Because He says, not only am I a Father who loves you, but I am your Father who wants you to enjoy prayer in the sphere of the love and communion of the saints. Enjoy with each other the love of God. Enjoy with each other the love and communion of the saints. This is how you pray. This is the foundation for your whole prayer. Are my prayer, is my prayer life lacking because of some of these things that are being brought up? 
Well, in the way God teaches us to begin our prayers, we're reminded of the love of God. Our God is a loving Father. God shows us that He is a loving Father also by communicating to us that He is a giving Father. That's at the end of answer 120. God has become our Father in Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of Him in true faith than our parents will refuse us earthly things. So I want to touch on that for a little bit now. Our God shows us His love for us by being a giving Father. We need to understand those words rightly. This doesn't mean, of course, that God never denies us anything or that He gives us everything we ask. Even an earthly father at times denies the request of his child. When a child asks his father for something that is wrong for him or or harmful for him, the father must deny the request of his child. If a father didn't do that, he'd be a bad father. Bad fathers give their children everything they want, and then they spoil their children. They ruin, they spoil, they ruin their children. But our God is a perfect father. And he not only gives us what he thinks is best for us, he's the one who actually knows what is best for us. And then he gives that. And when God does deny us something, there is more grace in that denial than if God would grant that request. For God's love and God's wisdom are perfect. He's a loving Father and He's a giving Father. When He withholds from us, it's for our good. And we as children so often don't even know what we should be asking for. We are children who so often ask for things that would harm us. Sometimes you hear your children pray, maybe around the supper table, and it even brings a smile to your face, some of the things that they're asking for, because they're just children. And as a parent, maybe you listen and you smile, but then you know that that's not what they should be praying for. You don't don't then hear their prayer and then try to answer every petition they have. I think that's how we are with God. We are children. And the attitude we must have in prayer and in all of life is this, I am but a child. And God is my Father. And God knows best. I am but a child. As Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 8, your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. But the point is, as a Father, He's a giving Father. He has a heart. Kind of what we heard last week Sunday evening. He has a heart that loves to give. This is His disposition. He's a giving Father. He will much less deny us what we ask of Him in true faith then our parents will refuse us earthly things. But now what we also must see is that when we ask God to give us things, we need to ask these things of Him in true faith. That's what the Catechism says. God has become our Father in Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of Him in true faith. Then our parents will refuse us earthly things. And what that means is this. Not merely that we're asking God confidently, without doubting that he can give it. But what it means is this, that we ask God out of the true faith we have in Jesus Christ. That we pray to God out of the new man, out of the life we have in Jesus Christ, which is a perfect life. And when we are praying that way, then inevitably, our prayers are going to be in harmony with God's will because our mind will be the mind of Christ. We will have a mind that is, that is perfectly in relationship to God. 
Our prayers will be proper prayers in which we ask for things that we truly need. His grace and His Holy Spirit. And we will be asking even all the while that, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Just as Jesus prayed that same thing to His Father. That is what true faith is. Trusting that God's wisdom is best, God's ways are best, God's love is faithful, I want His name to be hallowed, I want His kingdom to come, I want His will to be done. That first. That's true faith. And those prayers in which we ask for those things which are in accordance with God's will, those prayers are certainly heard and granted of God. That must be our disposition in prayer. Praying in true faith. Resting in God's love and fatherly care. God emphasizes this point in Matthew 7, 7 through 11. That He will give good things to them that ask Him. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew 7, verse 11. If ye then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? And from Luke 11, the parallel passage, we learn what those good things actually are referring to. The Holy Spirit and the blessings of the Holy Spirit. When we ask these things from God, He will give them. For He is our Father And He loves to give us these good things. He gives liberally. He does. That's why, why, for example, in congregational prayer, you're not going to hear me pray. It depends on our emotional state sometimes, but even the word please, right? Please give these things. I am God's child. God has given me His promises. I have a right to these things. And He's promised me, you ask these things and I will give them. And I'm going to prove God. And so we come with boldness before the throne of grace. He's my Father. So I approach Him with boldness through the name of Jesus Christ. Through the name of Jesus Christ. In true faith, I go right to the throne of God. And I tell Him, who I am, what I need. And He is a giving Father. So so all of this that I've just said means two things. Catechism emphasizes it. If God is a giving Father who knows best, who loves His children, and He loves to give them what they need, that means two things. Confidence. I have confidence that what I ask of God in true faith for what I need, for soul and body, He will give it. And He will know exactly what to give, when to give it, and He will give me His grace and Spirit just as much as I need them. We even heard it in Catechism this past week. He gives a way of escape. I just need to have that confidence. That's so often the issue, isn't it? True faith. And then second, it also means this, reverence. Right? All of this confidence doesn't mean lack of reverence. I don't whine to God in order to get my way. I don't want my way. My way isn't safe. I can pour out to God with heavy sobs. But I also remember that I'm the child. And He's my Father. 
I don't use vain repetitions like the heathen do, thinking that I'm going to be heard simply by repeating the same stock phrase over and over again. I might use repetition because I keep saying, help me, help me, help me. That's not vain repetition. Make that distinction. But that's not treating God as Father either, is it? Using vain repetitions. As if He's some kind of machine that I can manipulate. No. I simply go to God as my Father, trusting and relying on His grace. If He gave me Jesus Christ, and that's how I start out my prayer, and if He adopted me as His child, and that's how I start out my prayer, then He will certainly provide for all the things that I need in this life that He's calling me to live. And these two things are the foundation for true prayer, confidence and reverence. And both this confidence and reverence is emphasized even more when, when we then remember that God is a heavenly Father. He's not only a loving Father, He's not only a giving Father, but He is a heavenly Father. Question and answer 121 emphasizes that. Why is it here added, which art in heaven? Answer, lest we should form any earthly conception of God's heavenly majesty, and that we may expect from His almighty power all things necessary for soul and body. That our Father is in heaven emphasizes both these same things. Confidence and reverence. Congregation, this is the wonder. The one whom I call Father, the one whom you call Father, is the one who rules over all. He is the one who who causes every ray of sunshine and every drop of rain to come down to this earth. All powers are subject to Him and serve His purposes. One word from Him and it is done. One word from Him and His enemies must obey. One word from Him, the prison doors are opened and Peter and John are set free from prison. One word from Him and fire shoots down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice that Elijah offered on Mount Carmel. In Psalm 2, we read that the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against His anointed. They make plans to overthrow God and His Christ and His people who are in Christ. And what does God do? Verse 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. For the wicked have no power except it comes from God. He is almighty. And this is our reality. In prayer, we have access to that God as our own Father. In prayer, God swoops us up, as it were, in His embrace through Jesus Christ and brings us up to His place so that we sit in heavenly places with Him. We enter His throne room and He shows us His power. He reveals to us His own exalted position. And He says, I am the ruler of the heavens and the earth who rules over all and I am your Father and you are my child. Sit here with me. Even sit on my lap if we may We may even use that language. Come before me. My servants wouldn't dare sit sit on my lap. They keep standing. They're ready to serve, but you're my child. Come unto me. Bring me your petitions. Through Jesus Christ, you have obtained audience with me. You are accepted in my sight. 
I am listening. And I, your father, will not hold anything good from you. Any good thing that I know is good for you, that is convenient, suitable for you, and my purpose is for you. As the catechism says, we may expect, we may expect from his almighty power all things necessary for soul and body. And beloved, that ought to fill us with reverence. And that ought to fill us with confidence. This God, before whom the whole earth trembles, infinite in power and wisdom, even the idea of fatherhood, who he is as father, is not to be measured by human standards of fatherhood. Put away the weak human figure of fatherhood. God as father rises above that. He's perfect as father. He is not unjust, unreasonable. And in him there is nothing that you don't have to be patient with his weaknesses and infirmities. No. With him everything is pure and holy. Everything is great and exalted and perfect and beautiful. I do not approach him casually or flippantly. Yet at the same time, I know he is not a distant God who is aloof, who does not concern himself with me. He is my Father. He is our Father, who is in heaven. And even as he is perfect and we are not, he is still a perfect Father to us always. Always understanding of the fact that we are but creatures and even sinners besides, and all that we are and all that we have is of him. Beloved, what a privilege. What a privilege is ours. Not everyone has prayer as a gift. Not many have prayer as a gift. Jesus purchased it for us through his death and resurrection. Enjoy this unspeakable gift. Your God is willing to hear you being your faithful Father, and He is able to grant your requests, being Almighty God. That's how we go forward through the rest of our prayers. This is where prayer starts. Isn't that amazing? This is where prayer starts. And this is really where life begins. Anew, at the beginning of another week, our Father, who art in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, it gives us great joy to consider all these truths and even the fact that Thou dost teach us to come to Thee this way. What a condescending, merciful, gracious God Thou art. Teach us to pray, Lord. And help us in our prayer lives. Strengthen us. That we might enjoy the blessings of salvation. And that in all these things, thy name might be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.